We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com. Here today with Bears insider Aaron Lemming. It's been a few weeks. How are you doing? Oh, doing all right. It's uh, been a wild few weeks. Been busy uh, on the personal level and obviously on the on the Bear side of things. So it's uh, it's good to see some movement, though, after, what, two months of no Bears football, I guess. So that's it, it, a plus. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and you and I talked about this a little in our last podcast about how this is the exciting time of the year. And I think a lot of Bears fans were a little bit disappointed in uh, the way that free agency started for the Bears, and that's something that we're going to talk about here, talk about where the roster stands, talk about the depth chart, and look at some of the holes that still remain on the roster. But uh, we're three weeks into free agency. A lot of the holes have been filled. So give me your thoughts. What are your overall opinion of what Ryan Pace was able to do over the last couple of weeks? I think uh, especially starting off, it was, I mean, day one was rough. I mean, there's really no way around that. I know there's been some uh, public perception as to this was Ryan Pace's plan. It was not Ryan Pace's plan. I mean, there's there's really no way around that. I mean, he basically what happened was is he has a set price, which is completely fine. I mean, that's that's something the Bears aren't really in a position, at least in my mind, to be spending big on top free agents and hoping that one of these guys is going to push him over because realistically that's just not the case with the way the roster stands but they made some big runs at some guys uh one of those was obviously stefan gilmore who they came up short with now it's a little hard to you know to to knock pace for anything in terms of that but i mean with the negotiations they had they were in the front running i mean they really were and they just weren't willing to go to a certain price and the patriots came in you're not going to be at a patriots offer i mean really what it comes down to is they offered him good money and probably a chance at the super bowl within the next two years so uh, that's hard to beat but uh ricky wagner was the guy that they had right around a seven million dollar offer to and he ended up signed for nine and a half 
Tony Jefferson was another guy they wouldn't go past six on. I think he ended up signing for eight and a half. So they targeted some big names. Uh, they came up short. Um, so, I mean, it, it definitely wasn't part of the plan. But what I will say is he, I think he rebounded nicely. And I think the signings that he made over the, over the course of the next few days after day one – uh, I, I think kind of fits more in line for what the Bears are trying to do right now. Like I said, I don't personally think they're in a position to where they're going to be a playoff contender next year. That doesn't mean that they could make the playoffs, but I don't think their roster is currently built uh, to be one of those teams that, you know, you look at them and say, yeah, this team's going to be a playoff contender. I just don't see it. So I think getting some of these up guys, uh, upside guys, I mean, they spent, I think, right around $43 million so far this year. I think that number's probably changed a little bit, which is most in the league. So, I mean, they're not being cheap by any means. Uh, but the biggest thing is, I think, uh, outside of one or two contracts, and I think there's just a little bit of guaranteed money moving in in the next year, I want to say it's right around four or five million. So really, a lot of these are just one-year commitments and kind of a play and go. So from that aspect, it's smart. They'll have plenty of money next year. Uh, but you didn't really see any big impact names. Uh, granted, it was a much weaker market than it has been in years past, but uh I think especially for me and a lot of other fans, I think there was a hope that they were going to get some of these big name guys and it didn't really work out that way. But there's also a lot of upside talent that they've added um, for really little little commitment outside of this year. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, this is kind of something Pace has done. Uh, so, I mean, I I would say it's been pretty average at this point. I, I don't think their draft, uh, <clears throat> any of the draft needs have really changed that much. But I do think they've got a little bit better, especially in some areas more than others. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, another player that the Pace wasn't able to land was A.J. Bouye, who, who signed it with uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with his stance of not overpaying uh, for individual players. I mean, the, Stephon Gilmore is a very good player. Bouye, uh, a one-year wonder, but appear, appears to be uh, the real deal. Uh, Tony Jefferson, good. But, you know, are any of those guys foundation players that you're really willing to overpay for? I'm not really sure. And, you know, he didn't have that big splash. I mean, I agree. The Bears fans are really looking uh, for that first day. Uh, His last couple first days, you know, he he made some moves. And and the Bears didn't do anything that first day. It left uh, left a bad taste in a lot of Bears fans' mouths. And I understand that. But I do agree with you in the fact that it does seem that he did have a, a, a good plan B in place. And Ryan Pace turned around and executed that plan B very well. And I, I think that, you know, that to me that shows a little bit uh, about Ryan Pace and his ability to, you know, get to that plan B and execute it. Because a lot of uh, GMs might panic in that situation. Uh, might, uh, you know, at the end of the day when they're not able to land those first few guys, they might be willing to pay for that fourth or fifth guy, you know, trying to land that big name uh, free agent to appease the fans. But Pace didn't go that route and he ended up getting some players who... While they may not be uh, Pro Bowl athletes, uh, like you said, they do have some upside. And, uh, you know, you mentioned as well, a lot of these guys are, are, are basically on one-year contracts, and we're going to go through them all. But not a, long-term, not a lot of long-term commitments here. And, uh, you know, the only guy who really has any substantial money uh, beyond uh, 2017 is Mike Glennon, the Chicago Bears' new quarterback. And before we get to Glennon, I want to stop and just real quickly – uh, discuss the players that the Bears lost, and uh, two of the you know, two of the biggest names on the roster, Jay Cutler and Alshon Jeffrey, no longer with the team. And uh, you know the, the Jay Cutler era ended, and you and I have discussed this a lot over the past couple of years. And you know we're not going to go into too much detail here, uh, but I do think that the time was was now and asked for uh, asked to be released, and the, and the Bears granted his wish. And uh, so far. Uh, 
you know, I, I don't blame all the problems of what uh, the Bears have gone through over the past six seasons, not being able to make the playoffs. They're not all on Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler dealt with a lot of different coordinators while he was here. Uh, a lot of uphill, a bit uphill climb for most of his time here. But I do think that a lot of the turnovers, uh, you know, were exa- games were, were made a lot worse by uh, Cutler's penchant for turnovers. And uh, I think when you look at Mike Glennon, if Mike Glennon is only an average quarterback, but he doesn't turn the ball over, I think people are going to consider Mike Glennon uh, uh, an upgrade over Jay Cutler, just in the fact that he's not going to make those game-changing turnovers that, that break the back of the offense and, and put the uh, uh, the other team in, in position to score. I, that's all Glennon has to do, I think, to be to be considered better than Jay Cutler. But you know, I, I think that Jay Cutler got a bad rap uh, for a lot of his time here. Some of that he, he put on himself, but uh, I saw a player who who really grew as a person over the last few years, and I give him a lot of respect for that. The problem was he didn't really grow as a quarterback. Uh, you know, we, we were still seeing him, you know, holding the ball at his waist in the pocket, you know, at six seconds with players collapsing in on him, and he's got the ball at his waist, and all of a sudden it comes out. That's rookie stuff that, you know, we don't need to see anymore, and I, I, and I wish him best with wherever he goes uh, in the future. But uh, the Jay Cutler time was over. Unfortunately, the Alshon Jeffrey time really wasn't over, and... Uh, it didn't seem, I mean, he signed a one-year deal with the Eagles, and he really wanted to get out of here. Why don't you talk about the, the loss of Alshon? And if you want, you can talk about Cutler, too. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's it's on the Alshon-Jeffrey level, I think it's highly disappointing. But once again, I mean, you really can't blame Pace. Uh, I, I What I will give Pace credit for is the fact that, I mean, he played Alshon-Jeffrey's market perfect. I mean, there's really, I, you know, I've been on record multiple times for saying it, I thought Alshon Jeffrey was going to get a four or five year deal in the fourteen to fifteen million dollar range, and that just simply didn't happen. And he settled for another prove it deal, and it became very evident that he didn't want to have any part in Chicago. So I, I get it, you know, it's it's a business, whatever. Um, I think he could have gone without making the Super Bowl predictions, which I thought were somewhat silly in the first place. But <laughs> just some of the things he said, it's like, you know, man, like if if you want to leave, leave, but don't act like you want to be here. Uh, but maybe that's just coming more from a fan standpoint, but. You know, it, it's going to be tough. I, I really, I, I think highly of Alshon Jeffrey. I think when healthy, which has obviously been an issue over the last few years, I think when he is on, he is a top 10 receiver in the game and he can dominate. And I don't think the Bears have anybody like that on their roster. Uh, but it is what it is and they've got to move on. And I think this is just another step uh, forward for Ryan Pace and proving that he can fill offensive holes after they leave. And I think that's been a big thing for him outside of Matt Forte and being replaced with Jordan Howard, who was a fifth-round pick, which I think in some ways that's kind of luck. I mean, he really hasn't done anything to replace Martellus Bennett. He hasn't done anything to replace Brandon Marshall. Uh, you know, he's made moves. I shouldn't say hasn't done anything, but he hasn't done it. I mean, he, he just he simply has not replaced that production that they're getting and now you're letting Alshon Jeffrey, uh, well, I wouldn't really say let him, but, I mean, he walked out the door. Uh, they could have tagged him. It probably was a good idea they didn't. Um, but now they've got to figure out a different way around it. Um, and right now, I mean, Kendall Wright, I think, is a nice upside signing, a one-year deal. I think it was $2 million. Um, and Marcus Wheaton, a little confusing. Uh, I think he got a pretty good amount of money for a guy that really has been pretty inconsistent in a phenomenal offense. But, uh and then as far as the Jay Cutler thing, I totally agree. It was just that time. Uh, I've never been a big Cutler guy. I've never disliked him, but I've, I've never been a head-over-heels fan for him. I think, you know, really what it is is he's got great ability. Uh, he can do some amazing things, and then he can do some amazingly stupid things. And really what it comes down to is you look at his numbers with his with 
his time with the Bears, and he was a league average quarterback. I mean, that's really all there is to it. He ranged anywhere from 12 to 17 to 18 every year in almost every statistical category that you could possibly think of. And that's just really what it is. I mean, I okay, you know, statistically speaking, he was the best Bears quarterback uh, to ever play. But I mean, really, that's kind of setting the setting a pretty low bar. I mean, if if, if a league average guy is coming in and he is that guy. For a franchise that's been around as long as the Bears have, uh, I, I think it's time for a change. And I think Ryan Pace is looking to change that. And although I'm not remotely excited for Mike Glennon, even if it is on a on a one-year basis, uh, it's definitely time to turn the page. And, I mean, they weren't going anywhere with Cutler. So if they don't go anywhere without him for a year or two, it is what it is. I mean, the change had to be made. And really, Ryan's Pace, Ryan Pace's job depends on it at this point. So it's... It's going to be fun watching uh, watching this move forward. I think uh, a lot of people are kind of writing them off to take a quarterback early in the draft. I don't know if they'll take one at three, but uh, it's still going to be a big need. You know, worst case, you have two guys that can play the position, uh, which is something they haven't ever really had. But uh, they've they've got to get that situation figured out, and it definitely can't be hinging on Mike Glennon somehow being that guy, in my opinion. I agree, and I don't think the Bears really plan on Mike Lennon being that guy. A lot of people saw the numbers of Mike Lennon's contract, $45 million over three years, and that's all they see. But what, when you look deeper into the contract, there's only $4.5 million beyond 2017 guaranteed to Mike Lennon. And if you remember, you know teams, teams will pay a lot of money to get rid of dead weight. Bears paid, I believe, $9 million in dead money to, to release Julius Peppers. So $4.5 million is nothing to get rid of a, a huge... A quarterback contract. So really a drop in the bucket. The Bears have a, a very small commitment to Mike Glennon beyond this season. And I, I let's talk, we'll talk about Glennon, then we'll talk about how this impacts his draft. With Glennon, I, you know, we're talking about a guy who uh, has a really uh, bad career record, I think 5-13, and 13, but played for bad Tampa Bay team his rookie season. Uh, you go back and watch the tape, he was running for his life pretty much every game. And uh, still didn't turn the ball over, though. I mean, he had a, has a career 2-1 two, two to one TD to interception ratio. And, uh, you know, some of his other numbers aren't all that great. His t- completion percentage for his career is less than 60%, not ideal. Uh, but, you know, I think this is a guy who, you know, you look at the physical traits. 6'6", six, six, has uh, a big, strong arm to make every throw on the field. So physically, he's all there. Can't really move very well. Uh, but, you know, he, he can he can throw the ball. He can... He can uh, you know, see over that offensive line, he can see the field very well because he's so tall and he can get the ball there uh, with some zip. So so all those things are very good. The problem, I, the biggest problem I have with Lennon is just the fact that he hasn't played very much in the past three seasons. And in the NFL, with the way that the CBA is structured right now, backups don't get a lot of reps. They get a, a, a few more than they would during the regular season. They get in training camp. But once that regular season happens, the backups are really not doing a whole lot out there except, you know, trying to keep themselves warm. Uh, you know when the winter season rolls around, so I don't know how much Mike Glennon has you know truly developed over the last couple of years, and you know I, I don't think that we should expect him to be a different player than we last saw when he was out there. I know that I think he played uh, three years ago. He got a, a couple of starts uh, when Josh McCown got hurt. But, you know, speaking of Josh McCown, you know everybody the reason he didn't play is because Lovey Smith made a poor decision uh, when he took over in Tampa Bay and then sat Glennon for for no fault of Glennon's. You know, my, Lovey just didn't like uh, one of Josh McCown for some reason, and uh, I think that speaks to Lovey's uh, inability to make quality offensive decisions. We know a whole lot about that as as uh, you know somebody who covered the team and as Bears fans know. Uh, but you know, 
then he then he just sat and then they they drafted Jameis Winston and then he was just a backup. Now the Tampa Bay they wanted to keep Mike Lennon. They were going to make him, I believe, the the most uh, the highest paid backup in the NFL. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was like seven million a year they were going to offer him. Uh, to be Winston's backup. So Tampa did still think very highly, and they wanted to keep Glennon. They obviously weren't going to be paying him, uh, you know, $14.5 million with the Bears. They're going to be paying him next season. But, uh, you know, they, they thought highly of him. You talk to, I've talked to people around the league. A lot of people think highly of Mike Glennon. I know he wasn't the big splash signing, but there weren't any better options on the free agent market. There weren't any, any Pro Bowl veterans out there waiting to be snatched up by a team uh, you know, in need for a quarterback. So I, I think that Lennon was probably your best option. Sure, did they overpay a bit? Yeah, but you know what? A starting quarterback in the NFL makes about fifteen million. So if other teams were only willing to go ten, and the Bears trying to bid against themselves and overpaid five million, yeah, that, that, that I mean that's slightly concerning. But so what? I mean, five million—that's not a big deal. I mean, the Bears weren't in bad in a, a tough salary cap situation to start. So. I'm not worried about the money. I'm, I think that there's some upside with Mike Glennon, and I think that, uh, you know, he, he developed some chemistry with some of these new receivers, and you never know what you're going to be able to have uh, with this passing attack. I think the offense is going to revolve around Jordan Howard. So as long, like I said before, as long as Mike Glennon doesn't turn the ball over and is just an average quarterback, like you mentioned Jay Cutler was throughout his, his career in Chicago, an average quarterback, he can still win games with an average quarterback if you have a strong run game and a, and a quality defense. So... I'm not down on the Mike Lennon signing. I, I, you know, it's a one-year deal, and this is not going to stop them from drafting a quarterback in this year's draft. So that's my, those are my thoughts on Mike Lennon. Let's talk about the passing attack. And you know, we started with Alshon Jeffrey. Who does Mike Lennon have to throw to now? Uh, you know, his, his top receiver, I, I would assume, is going to be Kevin White, possibly Cameron Meredith. Now you now you throw in Marcus Sweeten. Now you throw in Kendall Wright. And and to me. With, the, with this receiving core, I don't see any standout number one. And I really think, like, looking at it from a, from a fantasy football perspective, let's say, I don't think that any of the Bears' receivers are going to be putting up, like, top-tier number one fantasy numbers. I think this is going to be a, a ball distribution offense because you don't have that. You don't have the Alshon Jeffrey anymore. You don't have a, that elite number one uh, that can, 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 you know, get the attention of opposing defenses. So I think that the goal for Mike Lennon is going to be to spread the ball out to these wide receivers, use the speed uh, that the Bears got with both Kendall Wright and Marcus Wheaton, and use that big arm to get it down the field. If if, if Kevin White turns out to be anything, if he's a, I mean, if he's if he's just a, a quality possession receiver, then maybe the Bears have something. You know, Cameron Meredith develops in his third season. We all saw what he was able to do last year. I don't think this is any type of passing attack that's going to be top 10 in the NFL next season. I hope they're not because that means they passed way too much. Uh, but I, I, I like the Kendall Wright signing. And, uh, you know, Marcus Wheaton probably got paid a little too much. And he's kind of a one-dimensional wide receiver. But I think Wright as a slot receiver is going to be a huge upgrade over Eddie Royal. And like I said, if Cameron Meredith or Kevin White emerges, this passing attack has a little hope. Am I wrong here? No, I, I think... Uh... It's definitely going to be a different look, and that's that's one of the – in a sense, it's kind of exciting. I mean, I totally agree. Uh, Kendall Wright was a guy, when I looked at all these these free agent wide receivers, he was somebody who really stuck out. I mean, he had his two best years under Dow Loggins uh, as offensive coordinator in Tennessee. I mean, this is somebody who was a first-round pick. He was taken before Alshon Jeffrey uh, in the – what was the 2012 draft or whatever it was. So I think 
there's definitely some upside here. I think Marcus Wheaton adds uh, a speed dimension that the Bears really have been looking for for quite a while. Um, like you said, he's kind of a one-trick pony. But at the same time, uh, you don't at five million or five and a half million, whatever it is. I mean, ultimately, that's what you're paying Andy Royal. And if he would have produced, uh, you know, if he'd have stayed healthy, he would have probably produced at a five million dollar rate. Uh, so. I don't really see an issue. I mean, you, you see, looking at the depth chart right now, at least what I have charted out, I mean, you have Kevin White, Cameron Meredith, and uh, Kendall Wright would probably be the starters at this point. You got Marcus Wheaton, uh, Eddie Royal, who's on the roster right now, who's expected to be cut as soon as he can pass the physical. But then you have uh, Ruben Randall, who's got some upside, uh, Josh Bellamy. So I think when you look at this and Daniel Braveman, can't forget Daniel Braveman. Uh, <laughs> but when you really, when you look at the depth chart here, I don't. Like you said, there's really no standout guy. Uh, but what it does tell me is that they, whether that be Cameron Meredith or Kevin White, maybe a combination of both, they do have some faith in these guys. Now, I'll be completely honest. Uh, if Kevin White can be anything more than a third receiver at this point, I think that would be a big win for them because you just you can't expect to play four games being as raw as he was coming out of college in two years and having the injuries, the leg injuries that he's had, uh, being a speed guy and expect to be the same receiver. But on the other side of that, I think Cameron Meredith uh, has a pretty high upside. I don't know if he'll ever be that number one dominating guy, uh, but he he shows or he showed different dim- dimensions last year, and I thought that was really nice. So it, it's going to be interesting moving forward into the draft to see exactly what they do. Um, you know, I just put out a mock draft, and, and I found it hard because they have so many needs and they have so many ways that they can go. Uh, and it's a pretty decently, I'd say decently deep uh, receiving group this year in the draft. So I think they can go multiple different ways. And I mean, if you really look at it, like I said, Kevin White, Cameron Meredith, Kendall Wright and Marcus Wheaton. Uh, I mean, those are probably going to be your top four guys unless you somehow take a wide receiver high, which I don't think is going to happen. So, I mean, if you're taking another receiver, there's a very good chance that they're probably not going to get as much playing time. I mean, a fifth receiver doesn't really see the field that much. Uh, so we could be seeing what they're going to go with. I mean, they may sink in a, a mid-round pick uh, in the draft, but as far as free agency goes, uh, Michael Floyd, I can I can almost guarantee will be a no-go at this point for the Bears just because of the issues that he's had, DUIs and all that. Um, so, I mean, there's really not much left on the market, but I don't think this is an awful receiving core by any means, and I think it has some upside, and I think that's really the kind of the common theme that we're seeing throughout the roster right now is there's a lot of upside and you know going back to when John Fox was hired with the coaching hires that he had he's known for having good coaches so you know it was pretty rough year last year there's really no way around that but uh I mean is it really going to be any worse than what they got last year I mean you look at Alshon Jeffrey missed some time Kevin White essentially missed the whole entire year Cameron Meredith was their number one receiver for a while so at least you've got some help around him and Kendall Wright Marcus Wheaton and it's kind of the same situation with Mike Glennon okay you know you look at what they had at quarterback last year and ultimately uh you know it between Matt Barkley and uh and Matt Barkley uh and you know the Brian Hoyer and Jay Cutler, I mean, the production that they put out last year, I mean, Mike Glennon, if he has an average year, I mean, that would pretty well cover that. So it's tough because you want to see more upside and you want to see, I guess you want to see more established guys on the offense, and I get that. Uh, But like you said, I mean, they're going to feature a strong running game. Uh, Their offensive line is set, which I think is good. I know a lot of people want to see him upgrade a tackle. Would have been nice, but at the same time, I mean, this this is an offensive line that really had a good year even with all the injuries you know you look at the numbers so I I think 
it's not going to be an awful offense, but I also, like you said, it's probably not going to be a top 10 offense, and then that's fine. I mean, this is going to take time to build. The Bears have put themselves in quite the hole over the years, and Ryan Pace is slowly digging his way out. But like I, like I said before, I mean, he's got to find a way to start replacing the talent that is walking out the door, and I think that's going to be a big test for him this year. And he has replaced some of it, but none of it is elite talent. Um, you know, obviously we haven't, we're not at, past the draft, so we don't know where he's going to add that talent. <clears throat> but you know, we're not we're not looking at Pro Bowl players in, in Kendall Wright and uh, and Marcus Sweeten and even Deion Sims, the new tight end. So I think these are uh, a decent fill-in pieces for the the passing attack. But I don't know who scares you really in this passing attack, and I think that it's going to be up to Dow Loggins to commit to Jordan Howard once again and make sure that he's the focal point of the offense because I don't I don't think that the plan with Mike Glennon and, and these second tier receivers that the Bears have, I don't think you really can you can lean on them and, and, and force them to carry the offense or the team going forward. So Jordan Howard has to be the focal point. But I think that with Deion Sims, the former Dolphins tight end, that helps Howard more than it does uh, the passing attack. Sims I think has a career high last year with 26 catches so uh, there's some upside with him as a receiver people think that he was a little underused in a, in a rotational system down there in in Miami and that he could produce a little bit more as a wide receiver but for my money his value comes as an edge blocker and that was an area the Bears really struggled last season um, you know the Logan Paulson uh, did not get the job done Zach Miller is an average edge blocker when he was out there and uh, you know that 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 hurt the the rushing attack especially when the Bears were trying to rush off the edge those pitch, pitches and sweeps so I think a guy like Sims can really help in that area and that can further solidify uh, you know the fact that that the rushing attack has to be the focal point of the offense and hopefully that you know as they add more pieces and you know as Dow Logan Loggins looks at his receiving core you know he can finally figure it out and be like hey you know it's probably best to ride my best player in Jordan Howard so I think Sims is going to help in that effort and I think that if he can provide a little bit more than what he was able to do as a receiver in Miami then he's going to be a big signing and I actually think Sims is one of my favorite signings uh, that might that might just be because nobody else I really feel that great about uh, but you know, Sims, Sims is one of my favorite guys, and I think that you know anything that's going to help Jordan Howard is going to be good for the team going forward. Now, you did mention the offensive line and how they wanted, uh, you know, some Bears fans were looking for an upgrade at offensive tackle, and the Bears did go out after an offensive tackle um, and weren't able to land him. But to me, that signaled that you know maybe Ryan Pace isn't necessarily all that uh, sold on Bobby Massey at right tackle. And, uh, you know, that might be an area in which he, he, he pursues, uh, you know, offensive tackle might be in a position he pursues early in the draft. I don't know. But I was a little surprised that they were willing to put, uh, put out so much money to, for a player who, who essentially would have replaced Bobby Massey. So uh, I, going into the offseason, I didn't consider offensive tackle a big need, but I think Ryan Pace might think differently. And, I, uh, you know, I, I would think that maybe that, that position has kind of rose on his uh, – uh, need chart heading into the draft. So there's the offense. That's where we stand right now. No other, did we miss anybody? No other major uh, additions on offense, correct? No, unless you consider uh, Tom Compton major nope. addition. <laughs> no, I do not. He is a career backup. He will uh, compete for the uh, swing tackle position, 10 games starting experience in five years. So not counting on much from Tom Compton. Uh, former Redskin player. I think he played with the Bucks last year as well. So, uh, you know, the offensive line, unless they uh, add 
more players in the draft, which I just talked about, this possibility of that happening. It's probably going to be the same uh, heading into next year. Not a bad thing. Bears had uh, one of the better rushing attacks and uh, didn't give up a lot of sacks. So could be a lot worse up front. That's not where my concern is. Most of my concern is on the defensive side of the football, particularly the secondary. Uh, we talked about some of the cornerbacks that Pace wasn't able to land, but he did land a couple of guys, Prince of Mukamara and uh, Marcus Cooper. What are your thoughts on these two? Uh, you know, it was. I think it was a little disappointing. I mean, they had three three serious upgrades in Logan Ryan and, and obviously uh, AJ Boye and um, and I'm drawing a blank, Stephon Gilmore. Um, but at the same time, uh, I think it's probably going to sound funny, but I, I actually like Cooper more than I like Amukamura. I, I think Amukamura saw. I think he's one of those guys that's probably going to be a solid number two or number three guy, and that's fine. I mean, it really it doesn't take much to upgrade the secondary as a whole, and that's fine. Uh, but you didn't really see any of that top tier talent land. Now that man, the, the secondary is absolutely stacked in the draft. I think that is going to be something that they are going to want to hit on probably within the first two or three rounds of the draft, and. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, kind of balance everything out. But uh, I think Marcus Cooper's a nice signing. I mean, this is somebody who was drafted when, when Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel were there, so they know what they're getting in him. They went after him. He's got good size. He's got good length. Uh, he started last year, and I know it's tough because I, I understand from an outside perspective for fans, it's hard to really evaluate, uh, you know, the pro-side talent in terms of, you know, free agents and stuff. You, you And a lot of people rely on – football focus grades and i just it's very tough for me to just sit there and rely on that one thing and when you really saw what he was able to do uh, and i talked to a few cardinals fans and some people i really respect and a lot of them spoke highly of of cooper and said that he kind of you know he kind of turned the corner he was with san francisco he got cut uh, he went over, and I can't even. I think it was the Kansas City Chiefs picked him up, and then this last year he played with the Cardinals. He started uh, on the other side of Patrick Peterson, and he had four interceptions, and he was a Pro Bowl alternate. I mean, this is a guy who made big steps. He's uh, what 26 or 27 years old. Uh, like I said, he's got good height, he's got good length, he's a good Fangio guy. Um, so I think this is an upside signing. I mean, he had like a 42 or 43 uh, PFF grade, but I mean, if he was really that bad, and not to say that a Pro Bowl uh, nomination is like the be-all end-all, but I mean, obviously he had to do some pretty decent things in order to even get that consideration. So I think that was a big signing. Amukamura is somebody that has decent size, has trouble staying healthy. So that kind of surprised me a little bit that they went in that direction. But hey, you know, they they just need depth at this point. But he's not going to be a guy that's going to grab a ton of turnover. So I'd still say moving in, especially at corner, corner's probably going to be a pretty big need for them. I mean, they've got Tracy Porter there. Uh, gut feeling says that if they can get somebody high in the draft that they like, uh, either him or Kyle Fuller are going to be gone. And then there's been talk, at least with the Tribune, uh, about the fact that DeAndre Hall may be making the move to safety, which may not be a, you know, at least try him out during uh, during offseason programs and training camp and see how it goes. But uh, I think they've got some options here. And I mean, there's really no doubt out of all the out of all the positions in terms of what they needed to address. Uh, they've they've put a pretty good amount of resources in. and They've added some new blood in the secondary as a whole. And I mean, really, it couldn't get much worse than it was last year. And they they weren't. Oh, I don't know. Like statistically speaking, they weren't as bad. Um, but when you look at some of the names that they're marching out there, I mean, it really couldn't get much worse. Uh, so I think you know, the, the, there's some good talent here. Uh, there are some decent talent, and there's going to be some solid upgrades. It's just going to be a matter of how much those upgrades are, and is this how much is this going to help a defense? Is this going to help them get into the top ten? Is this going to be a top five type situation? I mean, 
like you said, the draft is still yet to happen, but uh, they've definitely improved in this area. Yeah, my, my I agree with you about Cooper, and I think that uh, you know the PFF grade doesn't look good. His coverage grade last year, I think he was graded one of the worst in the NFL last year. But uh, like you mentioned, four interceptions, which is half of what the Bears' entire secondary was able to get last season. So he has six-two size. Uh, ball skills and playmaking skills and you remember he was a wide receiver until 2010 so uh, you know coming into the NFL he you know he, he was really raw as a cornerback and was actually cut by Vic Fangio in San Francisco and now Fangio signed off on 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 getting him back so there's obviously obviously been a lot of development from Cooper and I think uh, his time uh, as a number two corner playing next to Patrick Peterson last year in Arizona really helped him Helped him uh, learn how to be a starting cornerback uh, in the NFL. Yeah, he was beat a lot last year. If you go to the film, there's some bad plays out there from Marcus Cooper, but he, he you know, he's still there's still upside. There's still room for development with him. And I think at a 27 years old, you let Ed Donatel get his hands on him, and there, you know, there's still a possibility that he can play, you know, continue to improve and, and be a number one in Chicago. I'm not banking on it. I don't think it. it uh, the addition of Marcus Cooper is going to stop the Bears from drafting a cornerback high, but I do think that of all the additions that they had, they made in free agency, he probably has the highest upside. I'm not a huge fan of, of Amukamara. Uh, you know, the Bears dealt with injuries last year and a lack of playmaking, and his biggest, Amukamara's biggest issues has been the fact that he can't stay on the field and he hasn't really had uh, many game-changing plays. He's only had one season out of six, I believe, where he's had more than one interception of one in season. That was just three. Um, he's only played one year in which he's played 16 games. So those, you know, he can't stay on the field and he's not getting a lot of interceptions. I know he's a plan B. He could have done a lot worse on a one-year deal. I'm not too concerned about it, but I'm not, I don't have high hopes for, high hopes for Mukamara. Moving to the second, uh, to, to the safety position, Quentin Demps, six interceptions last year. You know, the issue with him is he's over 30. So he, he doesn't really fit the mold uh, of, a, of, a, of a youth uh, movement in Chicago. But, uh, you know, Demps wasn't a, hasn't been a starter his entire career. The tread on his tires is still very, uh, fairly deep. You know, he, he, I think really a full-time starter only the last couple of seasons, and he's really showed playmaking ability. I think he's had 15 interceptions over the last four seasons. So he's the type of guy, the type of playmaker on the back end that the Bears have lacked at safety. And while he's not a long-term option because he's 32, A, he should be able to help right away. I think he has, has at least one more good season in him has the ball stills and the speed to play on the back end and play center field, and he's going to help the secondary, uh, the younger guys in the secondary. You know, Adrian Amos needs somebody to guide him, and he hasn't really had that so far this year. And if they do move DeAndre Hall to safety, he's going to need some help back there too. Um, Deion Bush, a guy who still needs a lot of development. So I think just from a leadership aspect, uh, Quentin Demps really is going to add a lot, and I think he might have a stronger impact overall uh, than those other two corners combined. You know, Demps... I know he's a little over overage, but uh, you know your thoughts. Oh man, that that move really confused me. I mean, he's he's got what you look for. It, it's funny if this is if he was twenty six or twenty seven, maybe even twenty eight. I'd probably be all over this move. Is you know touting it probably the best move that they've made. Uh, but yeah, it just it, and this is what confuses me about what the Bears did is you go out and you add these guys, and granted, none of these are really real true long term deals, but what are you doing? I mean, is this, I know a lot of people made the, the comparison to Antrell Roll, and, you know, Demps is a lot better uh, where he is right now than when Antrell Roll came to Chicago. Roll was on the downside of his career. That was, at least in my mind, that was a purely leadership move. Like, we need, we need guys to fill spaces right now, and we're going to bring him in, and hopefully he can steal some leadership. But I think 
Dimps as a player is good. I think he's really coming to his own over the last few years. But like I said, the age just doesn't make any sense. It's it's one of those, and I've debated back and forth that you know with some of the moves that they made, some of the depth signings that they made, like uh, what was it, uh, John Jenkins and stuff like that. You almost kind of have to wonder if the way the Bears view themselves, and I think Dan Durkin's actually talked about this, the way the Bears view themselves versus the way that the public and the players and everybody else sees them seems to be vastly different. It almost feels to me like the Mike Glennon move and some of the moves like Dimps and stuff like that, they almost seem like a like a we-need-to-win-some-games type move uh, versus, I mean, there was rumors that they were in on DJ Swearinger. Uh, There's some other other names out there that really could have helped him out. I thought, personally, I thought they should have made a bigger play under Ron Harmon. I think he would have been a very good addition for them. I but agree. I'm just, some of these are just, some of these moves just don't really make much sense, and one of those was Dimps. Like I said, he's a, he's a good player, but is this really somebody, okay, let's say he plays the whole entire three-year deal and he has a, you know, it's pretty decent for all three of those seasons. I mean, is this really a team that in two or three years from now is going to be in the running for a Super Bowl? I mean, that and that's kind of, when you look at moves like this, when you look at guys over 30 and it just, you would think that they would be closer. And that's what makes me wonder, do they think they're closer? I personally don't. I, I mean, they've made some decent moves. Uh, obviously, the draft's still yet to come, but... I mean, we're talking, we're talking a three and thirteen team here. Obviously, a lot of things went bad for them last year, but I don't really know too many people that would view a three and thirteen team a playoff contender, especially after the you know the the lack of uh, sizable moves that they made. So, yeah, Dimps just doesn't really make much sense to me. I mean, it's better than what they had. It's more talent added there, but I mean, is that really going to help the long term? I mean, you're basically putting a veteran there. And taking play, playing time away from Adrian Amos or Dion Bush. Uh, I'm not big on Dion Bush, but, I mean, let's see what you got in the guys. I mean, if, if you're going to make a long-term move or make a, a free agent move, it would have made more sense to do a DJ Swearinger or a Deron Harmon, somebody that's younger, somebody that can grow with the team. So if they're good in two or three years, he's not somebody that's going to retire. Well, I think what, like I mentioned before, the, the biggest value with Demps is, is the leadership and what he might be able to help bring you know how he might be able to help those young guys develop and that in itself would provide some long-term value also if they do draft a safety which i think is a very high likely they're going to do it in uh likelihood they're going to do it in the first three rounds that guy's going to need somebody to help him out and the bears really don't have a they, they didn't have a veteran free safety on the roster you know they didn't have other than tracy porter you know, there wasn't a lot of veteran depth uh, at the quarterback position as well. So I think with with Demps, at least you got this one guy. Yeah, he's over 30. He's the only over 30 guy they signed. They're looking for a little bit of leadership at a position where they don't have any and where they have some guys who really are, uh, you know, need some type of further development, need some type of on-field help. And I think in the, that that that's where Demps, that's where his value lies. If they draft a... a, a you know, a, a safety in the second round or the third round, and he's far and away better than Quentin Demps, and, and you know they still like Adrian Amos. I don't think the four point five million that they're paying Demps last year means automatically means that he's going to start. I think they'd be fine if a, if a young guy came in and beat him out, and then you let Demps just you know continue to, to to apply that leadership. Now, if the Bears had drawn the the Phil Emery route and and signed you know four different thirty year old players, then I would have had an issue with it. But I don't you know one getting one veteran. I don't think is that big of a deal. I don't think they had. I don't think they sent anyone else who was even older than 27. So, um, you know, having one veteran, especially on the back end where you got a young, lot of young guys, I, I, I don't necessarily have a huge problem with it. You're right. He's not a long-term option, but you know, draft a long-term option then. So, 
that's where the secondary stands. I, front seven, not a whole lot has changed. They signed uh, Jenkins uh, as a as kind of a depth piece at, at, along the defensive line, but really. They haven't made any upgrades along there, and I know that wasn't a huge area of need, but I do think that the fact that they didn't do that possibly implies that they have a couple of defensive linemen they're eyeing with that third overall pick. You agree? Yeah, I would. I think, uh, you know, especially at defensive line, I think that was a big point of emphasis, or should be a big point of emphasis for them. I mean, they got Akeem Hicks uh, and Eddie Goldman that are kind of their guys, and I like the John Jenkins sign in terms of, you know, he's a big dude. And especially yeah. uh, especially in, in base packages, you know, three base packages or goal line situations. I mean, I think that's going to be nice to have. Eddie Goldman really hasn't stayed healthy. But I think uh, at this point in time, I mean, Mitch Unrhyme's just a guy. Uh, Jonathan Bullard's got a pretty high ceiling, but nobody really knows what you've got in somebody like that. So I think uh, five tech has got to be a pretty big uh pretty big emphasis at this point moving forward in the draft i mean there's some pretty good talent and but you look at and this is kind of where i'm going with the draft you know as you look at what they have what the talent that's going to be there obviously miles garrett's going to be gone one way shape or form uh but i mean you're probably going to have the option between uh you know either jonathan allen or solomon thomas uh i mean there's there's some good talent there i'm not a big jonathan allen guy i really do like solomon thomas uh, and i think he fits well i know a lot of people kind of worried about size we can get in that in a different time but i i think that right now they lack uh they need that one more guy there uh you know i, I think they have some pretty solid depth um at you know on the line but i think they need that starter now i know uh is it Ricky Jean uh, Francois? I think is his name. Frank Hoys. I don't. I. I don't really know how to pronounce it. But uh, he was somebody that they brought in over the weekend. Uh, he's. I think he went on to Seattle for a visit. But I think he's still in play. I mean, there's definitely some. There's some mutual interest there. And from what I've been told, I mean, it's it's good mutual interest. But at the same time, it's got to meet the price. He's a guy that's about to be 31 years old. He's not a long-term option. So even if they did sign somebody like that, that isn't going to stop them from taking somebody in the draft. Uh, but. There's going to be a lot of good top-end talent there within those first two or three rounds that they can take, and I think that's something that they need to do. And then you look at outside linebacker, I still gut feeling says they cut Lamar Houston at some point. I just can't see them paying him $7 million. I, I, I get it. They still got a lot of money. But $7 million to be a fourth guy in rotation doesn't really make much sense. They got Roy Robertson-Harris that they had uh, last year on the – on one of the injured lists, never even played. But I, I think they're somewhat high in him. And, I mean, there's – man, the, the, the edge – category in the draft the position as a whole is very very deep and i think that they can get some good i think if they go defensive line high and they can get uh you know an edge rusher in the third third fourth maybe even fifth round depending on how this all plays out they can add some good talent so i think i think when we look at the draft and when we look and see what they really haven't done in free agency like you said i i really think that those are going to be the positions that they're going to target uh come the draft and i think you're going to see some youthful impact and that's what i like i mean that, that's where you're going to build your future around because uh, we don't know really what what's going on with McPhee at this point. Willie Young's a nice rotational guy, uh, and you got to obviously at this point hope that Leonard Floyd can stay healthy. But I think they got some good talent there. But I think they're missing that one that one starting piece and another depth piece uh, in terms of pass rushers that they really need. But outside of that, I mean, if they can do that and get some uh, good second, you know, get a little bit more secondary help, uh, I, I really think that this could look like a levy type team where they have a pretty strong defense not nearly as good as what lovey had but i think if they can get some more turnovers and they can rely on the run game and have man just even like a top 20 offense and a you know a solid top 10 defense 
it's at least going to be a lot more fun to watch him this year. And, and at least to me, I think that's kind of the direction that they're going in. It seems like Ryan Pace, outside of quarterback, it, it seems like a lot of his focus has been on the defensive side of the ball, which is fine. I mean, a, a good defense will get you a long way, and I think they've got a lot of uh, good stepping stones there and a good blueprint, but they got to finish it off. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think the, the two names that you, you mentioned, I think, are probably at the top of their list. Right, I guess right now in Thomas, Solomon Thomas and, and Jonathan Allen. I'm, I'm an Allen fan. I'm not too worried about the shoulder arthritis. And again, like you mentioned, we'll talk about these guys in more detail in a future podcast. But I think, you know, you, like you mentioned, edge rushers, there's some, there, this is a deep class off the edge. I don't think there's, uh, I, I, or I think there's a good chance that Pace is going to try to add one of those edge rushers. Then you, then you throw in uh, an interior rusher like Thomas or Allen. Uh, with you know the, the players that they already have and Akeem Hicks and Pernell McPhee and, and Leonard Floyd, uh, you know then then you have the makings of a of a, a pass rush that, that can get it done. So a pass rush that that can get to the quarterback always helps a secondary, uh, the, especially a young secondary that has a lot of question marks. And I, I, you know I think what the overall what I want to how I want to finish this podcast is that with what Pace did in free agency. Not a single move that he made uh, is going to stop him from doing anything in the draft. I don't think the addition of any of these players is going to have him scratch off that position in the first round or the second round and say, we're set here or there. I don't think he's set anywhere. I mean, other than probably guard and center, you know, you can make a case for an addition at every single position on the roster, especially when you consider that Danny Trevathan may not play until late next year. We could even throw inside linebacker in the mix here, even with Kwiatkowski on the roster. You know, Joel Freeman's 30 years old. So, uh, you know, I don't think that anything that's happened over the last couple of, uh, of weeks, any of the contracts that they've handed out, any of the players that they've added, none of that means anything when it comes to the draft, really. You know, I thought that maybe, you know, heading into pre agency, they'd sign a big name cornerback and then we could probably write off. Uh, you know, uh, Marshawn Lattimore in the first round. But I, I don't think it, I, nobody that they added is going to write off any position. So I think that leaves a lot of things. We're starting in the same position that we were uh, before free agency in terms of the draft. And I think it's wide open. And, and, and I think it's going to make for an exciting draft. We're running out of time, guys. We want to thank you for sticking here, uh, sticking around with us for the last 45 minutes. We are going to have podcasts weekly, if not more, over the next uh, few coming weeks leading up to the draft. But be sure to follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. Be sure to follow me at Bear Report. You can follow, uh, read all our stuff at our, our Bear Report Facebook page, also at bearreport.com. Come check it out. Message boards at bearreport.com. Come talk to us. And uh, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. That's it, guys. Uh, we will be back next week talking all draft, the week after that, all draft, and then. Uh, the draft will be upon us. So really exciting time, guys. Free agency. Expect a few more moves. Nothing major. And then uh, we'll be getting deep into the draft for the next couple of weeks. Have a great week, everyone. And we'll talk soon. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. The headlines remind us daily. 
The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.